Before I dive into today's message, um, I just wanted to pause for a moment and um, just kind of talk about a couple things that uh, you all have heard, announcements, big announcements and that sort of thing, over these past few weeks, and uh, also uh, ask you to be praying. Um, we have a, a, a big meeting this week. Uh, back in May, we made the announcement that we were pursuing a 13,000-square-foot building um, over at the Hargrave Complex uh, near Fresh Market at Mile Marker 9. Um, was that specific enough for you? Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, that we were pursuing that building over there, and we uh, very quickly, uh, as a campus, got together and prayed and asked for God to lead us, and we put the fleece out, and we raised you know $120,000-plus uh, for a down payment on that building, and things are just progressing very well. It was a long summer, I will tell you. Uh, I thought for sure it would be very quick, but we've uh, been in the process of lawyers pouring over the contract and the town and so on and so forth, and it's been about 60 days and not much movement's taking place. But we have a key meeting on Wednesday, and so I'm going to ask for you all to be praying for this meeting that we're having on Wednesday. Would you do that with me uh, and pray for that meeting at 4 o'clock on Wednesday? We're going to be meeting with Hargrave and some town officials and that sort of thing. So be, be in prayer about that, that that goes well, and I think that'll help us tidy up all of the details on that contract. And I wanted you all to know that so that you didn't think things had just come to a complete standstill and you know that maybe we moved over there and we just decided to not tell you about it or something. So I wanted you to be aware of what was happening and what was going on. Also, um, two weeks ago, if you were here two weeks ago, we made the announcement that uh, uh, Pastor Jeff and the Lowcountry Community Church elders had, uh, have decided to launch this campus out on its own. And uh, as of September 11th, we will uh, be an independent church working in tandem for the cause of Christ with Lowcountry Community Church now. And uh, so on September 11th, we'll become Hilton Head Island Community Church, and we're very excited about that. Uh, I was out, I preached last week in Bluffton, and uh, when I talked about it, they applauded. And so I want to let you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Anyway, I want you to know <laughs> that they are with us, and that they are praying for us, and that they are enthusiastic about all the growth and all the things that God's doing here at Hilton Head. And uh, so they're behind us 100%. And I wanted you to know that it's, there are exciting days to come. And I want to invite you to make sure that you're here September 11th. That's our four-year anniversary, as it is just September 11th, our four-year anniversary as a campus. And uh, so on our four-year anniversary as a campus, we'll be celebrating a new chapter and uh, lots of exciting things that go along with that. Have you ever watched a movie or read a book or heard a story? And that particular narrative comes down to a key thing. Something happens in that story, in that narrative, that completely alters the course of that story. We, we see it in sports, we see it in cinema, we see it in theater, we see it in the stories that we tell. We even see it in the stories of our lives, don't we? That there's one event often, there's one thing, maybe one announcement or one statement or one circumstance that happens that completely changes the course of that story. I mean, it's going in one direction, and it just takes a 180. Well, the story of the God-man relationship that we're talking about when we're in this series called Splendor, the story of the God-man relationship takes quite a turn, quite a twist, in a section of the Bible that we're going to take a look at today. Now, when, when I first say that, I know that what comes to your mind. 
the, the epic event that happened in, that changed all of history when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, and through him we can have eternal life if we put our faith and our trust in him. But the story that we're going to look at today, this thing that takes place that we're going to look at today, is a scene that's just as pivotal as, as that. In fact, what it does is it points towards that scene that happens years later. Today we're going to take a look at this twist, this change in the God-man relationship and how it's a precursor to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for our sins. And it takes place back in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah. It's past Psalms and before Matthew, and I'll let you figure it out from there, okay? Uh, now, I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a news junkie. And uh, I love news, I love politics, I love what's going on in society. I was a poli-sci major, and uh, so I, I love this kind of stuff. And right now we're entering a period of time, we're, you know, 18 months or so away from the presidential election. And I don't know if you follow these kind of things, but I love watching what happens now. I think it gets boring the further it goes on. I think it gets, when you have two candidates, it's just boring. But it's really interesting to see how these candidates will position themselves and then make a big announcement. Rick Perry made a big announcement as the Texas governor that he's running for president uh, this week. And a candidate who is smart, he'll wait out all the buzz, and he'll wait until kind of the rumor mill hits that fever pitch, and they'll hold a press conference and make a major announcement about their intentions to run for office. I, I was living in, in the city of Atlanta as a, a senior in high school when the International Olympic Committee made the major announcement that Atlanta would host the 1996 Summer Games. you remember that moment? And Atlanta, when we lived there, Atlanta partied for like two days. I mean, it was just crazy in Atlanta. And they made that major announcement. In the early days of the first newspapers, if there was an event that happened in the world or in America, what would happen? That newspaper would print an extra and they would give those extras to newsboys and place them on the streets. And what would they say? Extra, extra, what? Read all about it. Read all about it. An announcement. An announcement is made. Something is proclaimed. And what we find with prophets in the Old Testament is often they are speaking the word of God to the nation of Israel to help correct, to help bring correction to help bring some kind of understanding of a sin of the nation of Israel, to help bring them back to God. But often the prophets in the Old Testament also declare on behalf of God an announcement of his intentions. And what we're looking at today is the most important announcement that was ever made in the Old Testament. And so in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, we read this little verse that all of humanity hinges upon. And it's this little verse that says this, I, God is speaking here, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And what we're going to learn today is that all of humanity hinged on that major announcement. Before we dive in too far, let's just pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you are not only the God of creation, but you, that you are a God that has personal involvement with mankind. And Father, I pray today for those who came in here and they're hopeless and helpless. 
God, I pray that you would give them a peace. I pray that you would give them an understanding that you work in their lives. God, I pray that you would help them have an understanding that you're not a God that needs to be misunderstood, but you're a God who works at the most personal level. And I pray, God, that you would help us in this series to understand that while you're a big God to be praised, you're also a God who works in our lives and you're involved in the lives of humans. And I pray that you would help us to understand that. Help those who are in here who are Christ followers to realize that there are some times and some things that we do that we um, kind of break a relationship with you, we break fellowship with you, and help us to understand how we can get back to a place of fellowship with you. And God, most of all, I pray that you would help the Christ follower today to be able to hear you and to be able to listen for your voice in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're continuing in this series that's called Splendor. And last week, we took a look at God the Creator and how we ought to worship Him as God the Creator, how we ought to worship Him with everything that we've got, how we ought to give Him majesty and glory. And part of the way that we do that is gathering together and worshiping together corporately. But part of the way we do that is with our lives. Isn't that right? Part of the way we do that is with how we live our lives. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the blessing of God's covenant. And next week, we're going to be taking a look at the benefit of God's character. And I wonder what I want you to capture in this is that we serve a God that is just absolutely huge beyond our comprehension. And he's worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of all of our splendor and the glory that we can bestow upon him. He's mighty in his majesty. He's purposeful in his power and he's righteous in his redemption of mankind. But that God that I just described, the God of creation, the God who's the creator of all things, also deserves our praise because he is a God of the person. Because he's involved in our everyday lives. You see, we can give God splendor because he's a creator of all things. But we also ought to give him splendor because he's personally involved with mankind. This passage this morning that we're going to take a look at will help us to understand that not only is he just powerful, but all powerful. <clears throat> not only is he just knowing, he's all knowing, but, and also he's merciful and has complete mercy. But we're going to understand today that even though he's so powerful... Even though he's so mighty, even though he is so great and so big, we can have a personal understanding that he works in our lives, that he's involved with our everyday lives. And once we understand this new relationship that we're going to take a look at today between God and man, once we get a proper understanding of that, we can, we can maximize the benefits of God's covenant in our own lives. You see, our God spun everything into space, and that's what Jeff talked about last week. That's what I talked about in Bluffton. Our God created everything that we can imagine, everything that we can see, everything that we can't see. He created every part of who we are. He's the great creator. He's, he's the one who uh, uh, was involved in spinning everything into space. And as I talked about last week in Bluffton, he took nothing. Think about this for a moment. He took nothing and made creation out of it. I mean, that's even beyond our comprehension sometimes, isn't it? But this God is a God who's established a covenant with people who are part of his family. He established a covenant with people who are part of his family. In fact, we see in the Bible that he established several different covenants. And I want to talk about that word before we dive in any further, before we move in any further. The word covenant in the dictionary, in our American dictionary, is this. A contract drawn up by deed or clause. 
a contract drawn up by deed or clause. That's a covenant. It's something on paper that we sign, an agreement that we make. When you go live in a new neighborhood, there are covenants. When you buy a new church building, there are covenants. Anyway, and we won't talk about that. Uh, but in theology, here's how covenants define an agreement that brings about that brings about a relationship of a commitment between God and his people. And if we look further into that relationship, we see, or into that definition, we see that covenant means literally to tie or to bind together. To tie or to bind together. And so when we're talking about a God-man relationship, if this is God and this is man, when we enter into a covenant relationship with God, there is absolutely nothing that can break that relationship. God is not in the business of establishing a relationship with us and then letting us go. Once we enter into that relationship, it is a tie that binds. It is permanent, and he offers salvation, and it's secure. And so while what we're going to be talking about today has nothing to do with our salvation, actually, when we enter into a relationship with God, we are saved, and we are always saved, and we have the hope of heaven securely forever there are still times when we break that covenant with God, aren't there? There are times when we sin, when we do things with God that temporarily, I want you to hear that word, that temporarily break down that covenant with God. And so what we're going to be talking about today is how we can find out what it means to reestablish that relationship with God, what it means to, to reestablish that connection with God, reestablish that covenant with him that we often break. The writer of Hebrews references this passage in Jeremiah when he's speaking to the Jewish people and trying to explain to them why God set up the law all the way back in the Old Testament. Why God communicated in a different way in the Old Testament than he does now. And the writer of Hebrews references this passage in Jeremiah when he's trying to explain to the people the fact that God is engaged with humankind in a different way now than he was before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Things changed, and Jeremiah announces that change. There are a bunch of different covenants in the Old Testament there are covenants that God established with Noah and with Moses and with Abraham, but there's a fifth covenant that he establishes, and that's what we see in this passage in Jeremiah, that there's a new covenant. Now, when you're talking about a covenant with God, when you're talking about the Old Testament versus the New Testament, you have to understand a little bit about the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was God saying that the people of Israel, his people, needed to abide by these laws. There were 613, to be exact, laws. Now, I don't know about you. If I have 613 things that I have to do every day to stay in relationship with God, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm going to break one of those, and I hope that you are with me on that, that we, will, we would break those covenants, wouldn't we? We would break those laws. God established those laws for the people of Israel to bring glory to him with their lives. And he established them as a basis of the covenant. So one person violating even one of those principles, even part of one of those principles, would be in violation of the covenant that was set up with God. And so we wonder, how, how does the Old Testament and the New Testament, how does that connect? How, how, how does that connect? Because when the sinner in the Old Testament broke part of that covenant with God, they would have to find a perfect lamb to bring to a priest in the tabernacle to be sacrificed so that they could reestablish that covenant with God. 
And I've been asked many times, why did God deal so harshly in the Old Testament? Why is he the God of mercy and love and grace in the New Testament, but he was the God of, uh, of judgment in the Old Testament? When the nation of Israel and when people uh, continued in their sin, they continued violating these principles, and I want you to catch this, and it went unrepented, God would cast judgment. And you know why? Because God is absolutely perfect, and man, when he sins, is absolutely sinful, and God and sin can't coexist. Does that make sense? God and man can't coexist, and so that's why God was so forceful in his judgment in the Old Testament. But Jeremiah announces that there's a new covenant that's going to be established, and that covenant's going to take place through the person of Jesus. I want you to take a look at this again. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Previously, God had written the law on what? Tablets that can be broken. Tablets that could be changed, tablets that could be broken. But he says, I'm going to put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see, every covenant that was established prior to this new covenant was a covenant that was conditional. God had a conditional covenant with his people. This is an unconditional covenant that he will be our God and that we will be his people. And so we enter into this new covenant. Let's take a look at this whole passage, Jeremiah uh, 31, and we'll take a look at verses 31 through 34. Jeremiah says this, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That's basically all of the nation of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. And they will be my people. Verse 34. No longer will man teach his neighbor or a man uh, his brother saying, know the Lord. Because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And I want you to catch this last part. For I will forgive them their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. This is a new relationship that's going to be set up. And in Jeremiah, in, in announcing this and speaking the word of God, essentially points to the fact that there's going to be a redeemer, that there's going to be a savior, and that savior ends up being Jesus. It's interesting with this new covenant and the old covenant. In the old covenant, gifts and sacrifices need to be, needed to be brought by the guilty one to have a reestablishment of that relationship. In the new covenant, the sacrifice was paid by Jesus on the cross by the perfect Messiah. And what that meant is that Christ died for our sins. In the old covenant, we had the uh, the nation of Israel had to go to a building to meet with God. In the new covenant, Christ reigns in our heart, meaning that we can talk to him and worship him anywhere we are. We can have communication with him anywhere we are. We don't have to go to a physical building to engage with him. The old covenant said that we had limited access to God. Under the new covenant, we have an unlimited access to God, meaning that he is personally, I want you to catch this, personally always available for us. That's the new relationship that we who call ourselves Christians, who are part of the family of God, that's the new relationship that we can live under. That's the new covenant that we can live under. Things have changed Things have changed. God enters into this new, beautiful, uh, 
uh, a relationship that cannot be broken by him. And I want you to catch this this morning, though, because having said all of that and having given God all the glory for this new covenant, we still are sinners. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at two aspects of how, how this covenant relates to man. And the first way I want to talk about it is, is when we sin, what happens? When we sin, what happens? Well, when we sin under the old covenant, there would have to be a sacrifice that was brought. Uh, Romans says that we all have sinned, that we will continue to sin. And Hebrews 8 is pointing back to this, Jeremiah 31, saying that our sins are forgiven when we confess them to God. You see, all we have to do is go to God now and confess of our sins. All we have to do is to go to him and confess those sins, and we uh, will have forgiveness of those sins. And so when that relationship is broken by us temporarily, not for eternity, but when that relationship is broken by us temporarily, we can go right to him and we can confess of our sins. We can confess of our sins. He offers immediate forgiveness. There's no waiting period. There's no priest that we have to go to. There's no sacrifice that needs to be made. When we break that relationship with God, when we break that covenant with God, when we sin, when we do things in our lives that miss the mark, we can go directly to him and we can talk to him directly. And there's a second aspect that I want to talk about this morning of how our relationship with God changes. And that has to do with how God communicates with us and how we can communicate with him. It dawned on me recently, uh, Cynthia and I were cleaning out some old stuff and we opened up a box of, uh, an old keepsake box of mine from high school. And uh, we opened up that box, and there were some funny pictures in there. And um, I can't wait to give those to Sydney so that my little girl can have a laugh at Dad and how he looked in high school. And uh, there was the, you know, the girls with big hair and me with the surfer do. And that's kind of the, the 80s there. So anyway, and uh, so we, we had a laugh at those. But then I opened up some more boxes that were inside of there. And this is, these are things I hadn't opened up in 10 years or more. And I opened up some boxes, and they were filled with letters do you know what these things are, letters? I, you know, I've almost forgotten about what letters are. They were words that were written, wait a minute, in pen or pencil from friends and parents to someone that went through the U.S. Postal Service. It's amazing. I couldn't believe we even did this back in the 80s and 90s, but we did. We wrote letters. There were letters from girlfriends in there. There were letters from my mom and dad in there. Cynthia's grimacing in the back. Anyway, there were letters from my mom and dad. There were some letters from Pastor Jeff because he was my youth pastor back then. There were letters from prospective uh, colleges and that sort of thing that I, that I looked at. Uh, there, was one, there was one series of letters in there that was from a, a girl that I met on a missions trip, and she wrote me like five letters in a row. And I'm not very good at writing letters. And the last one was one page in bold letters. It said, I'm just checking to make sure the postal service hadn't stopped mail. So anyway, and uh, back in the day, we wrote letters, didn't we? We don't write letters anymore. What do we do? We email or we text or we blog and we communicate. And even I'm being told the next generation is telling me that email is antiquated. So anyway, uh, crazy how communication changes. But you know what? That same kind of change happened from the Old Testament to the New Testament in the way that God communicated with us. You see, in the Old Testament, you needed a priest to communicate the word of God to his people. Or you needed a prophet to communicate the word of God to his people. And God used David 
as a king to communicate the word of God to his people. You see, back in the Old Testament, there wasn't this personal connection that we could have with God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can now have that kind of communication with God. I've had some people ask me the question, why doesn't God speak audibly anymore? Why doesn't it speak audibly anymore? Well, consider this. In, in all of the Old Testament, there were maybe a dozen or so times God spoke audibly to people that we have recorded. That was about 4,000, minimum 4,000 years. So in 4,000 years, God spoke audibly maybe 12 times to people that, that we have recorded in, in history. I don't think God can't speak audibly anymore to people, and perhaps he does, and perhaps he will in the future, but that was never God's main means of communication, not even with the nation of Israel. God spoke through priests and prophets, and in one or two cases, he spoke through a king, but now all that's broken down. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we say that and we think about the Old Testament, how God spoke audibly, we think they had it better. No, we have it so much better. And that's what, that's what Hebrews 8 says. Hebrews 8 says that the new covenant with God is so much better than the old covenant with God, that we can go to him anywhere and at any time and confess our sins and talk to him. Well, how do we receive the benefit of the new covenant? I think there are three points of application this morning. The first one is this. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can enter for the first time into that covenant relationship with him. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And so our first point this morning is enter into a covenant relationship with God through Jesus, his son. And if you're in here, and I don't want to make the mistake of assuming that everyone in this room is saved. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, why not take that step and enter today? Why not you and why not today? The second thing that we can do is reestablish the covenant relationship that you already had by confessing your sins to God. Reestablish the covenant relationship that you already had by confessing your sins to God. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And lastly, today, I want to encourage those of you who are in here and maybe you've been struggling with this whole idea of God being personal and God working in the life, lives of men and women. And this is the third thing I want you to learn, is that we need to listen in the quiet for the still, small voice of God. We need to listen in the quiet for the still, small voice of God. And he may not speak to us audibly, but you know, he speaks to us in a variety of ways in this new covenant relationship. He speaks first and foremost to us through his word. And that means that we need to quietly, in silence, in solitude, have times where we search God's word and listen to his voice speaking to us through his holy word. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, which Jesus gave us as a comforter and as a, as a counselor and as one who gives us wisdom. And we can ask for his discernment in asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And it might not be audible, but it might be something so clear. It might be something so clear that you know it's absolutely from God. 
But you know what? We can't do those things if there's noise all around us, can we? We can't do those things if there's loud clanging cymbals around us and if the radio's on all the time and the TV's all the t- on all the time and the kids are talking all the time. We've got to find solitude so that we can hear the voice of God. Our little six-year-old Sydney is very soft-spoken, and we are always challenging her to raise her voice a little bit. Yes, we're actually challenging a kid to raise her voice. So in our house, we're challenging her to do that. But you know what I've noticed is sometimes I'm just always talking. And the reason I can't hear Sydney is because I'm just talking all the time. And it's in the silence that I can hear her talk. It's the same thing with God. It's the same thing with God, same way with God. I want you to take a look at this passage in closing about how God speaks to Elijah, another prophet. And this comes from 1 Kings 19. And I'm going to read it to you this morning. And I want you to hear this. And as you hear these words, I want you to just silently ask for God to begin to speak to you this morning. The Lord said to this prophet Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is is about to pass by. God was saying to Elijah that he had a word. He was about to pass by, and he had a word. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And uh, and after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the Bible doesn't say this, but God was in that gentle whisper. And Elijah stood up at that moment and he moved and he listened to God and he followed God in obedience. You might be in here today and you're like, Todd, I haven't had silence in my life for years. I want to invite you to have some silence in your life over these next few moments together. The band's going to come up here, and they're going to play a song. They're going to play a song. They're going to sing a song kind of over us. They're going to, they're going to sing a song over us this morning that I hope will get you in the spirit of hearing from God, but not just hearing from God, but chasing after him when he speaks. Because we're in a new covenant relationship with him. He can speak to us. He can speak to us in a variety of ways. And it's our responsibility as Christ followers to listen and to follow him. Let's consider that this morning. Come up high, lead 
this world behind I find you to be beautiful Give us the strength to be able just to stop. Holy Spirit, help our minds to be clear of the clutter so that we can just listen to you. I'm going to have you do something this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm just going to ask you to continue to listen to God. 
Don't ask him for things right now in this, these next few moments together. Don't talk to him. Don't even have a confession right now of sin in your life. Just as they sing, just listen for the voice of God in your lives. Because we're in a new relationship with him. And he deserves at least that for us to stop and just listen and follow in obedience.